You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. The situation at BC Ferries today is still a challenge for returning long weekend travelers. Ongoing problems on the Tawasin Swartz Bay run prompting some to drive farther for a better chance of getting home. Kylie Stanton is live at Swartz Bay with more on the chaos that resulted in a shorter long weekend for some people. Kylie. Yeah, that's right, Sophie. You know, actually, things have been moving pretty smoothly here in Sports Bay today. Many of the passengers we spoke to saying they had booked reservations well in advance, but for those who didn't have one, they didn't want to take a chance and instead took a road trip. All drivers, bound for Vancouver, we are trying to get as many cars onto the vessel this sailing as we can. For many travelers, this long weekend is ending the same way it started. It seemed like over the top. Uh, unprepared. We're not on the 125. We now have to wait for the 355. Hopefully we can get um, uh, 6 o'clock at least. Yeah, our, our hope is for 6. As of Monday morning, the Swartz Bay to Sawasan route was quickly running out of reserved vehicle space. Not a problem for those who had planned ahead. You know what, it's been great. Booked early. <laughs> but meant others were left adding an impromptu road trip to the itinerary. I heard on the, on the news that it was going to be a little bit of a wait and uh, so I came up here because it would be a little bit quicker and they said like maybe two ferry sailings because I didn't, <laughs> didn't book ahead. Long weekends usually put the ferry system to the test but this one was especially challenging. One of its key vessels, the Coastal Celebration, was removed from service for an unplanned refit that took longer than expected. That and staffing shortages forcing the corporation to cancel dozens of sailings and shuffle more than 6,600 reservations. It's starting to uh, bring us to the question of uh, does this ferry system work the way it should be? And uh, is it meeting the needs of British Columbians? If it wasn't for my members coming in on their days off, uh, ferries wouldn't be running at all. BC Ferries urging people to avoid driving on if possible only caused more chaos. It left parking lots packed, dozens of vehicles crammed in illegally, slapped with a $98 fine. I really think that there should be some accountability. In Departure Bay, there was a one sailing wait for walk-on passengers. It is very rare. It is. Again, that's why, you know, on busy times, if you if you absolutely need to be where you absolutely need to go at a specific time, you might want to have a reserved booking uh, as a walk-on passenger. The July long weekend is one of the busiest of the year, second only to August long, which means there's just a little over a month before we do this all over again. Hmm. All right. Well, with that in mind, Kylie, we have learned again and again that reservations are key. So people need to start planning for other long weekends this summer. Well, they do, Sophie. You can actually see the coastal celebration, the ship that was out of service right behind me here. It was out doing sea trials. That will be back in uh, in service by the time the August long weekend rolls around. But that should ease some of the pressure we saw these past few days, which is good news. That said, yes, reservations are key. And if you are planning to travel in August, the time to book is now. I just checked the website. Some reservations already selling out for sailing. So. I'm sure. All right, people planning ahead. Thanks, Kylie. Well, it's been three days since more than 7,000 port workers walked off the job in Vancouver, Prince Rupert, and on Vancouver Island, bringing the flow of goods to a standstill in B.C. 
Late this afternoon, the employer put out a statement that indicates this round of bargaining is not going to lead to a deal. And with more on the strike action and the quickly growing economic impact of it, Grace Key joins us live from the picket line. Grace. Yeah, we're just here at the dispatch center in Vancouver. So yes, the employer did send out an email and it uh, did list a number of things that they say they are still far apart on and they did include some details on wages. It appears both sides couldn't be further apart in this labour dispute. The BC Maritime Employers Association sent out a statement reading in part, the BC MEA is of the view that a continuation of bargaining at this time is not going to produce a collective agreement. They listed a number of reasons, including redefining regular maintenance work, the union being unable to fulfil the trades work they have exclusive jurisdiction over, unreasonable compensation and they brought up pay, saying in 2022, the median salary of a longshore worker in the province was $136,000. In the past 13 years, wages went up 40% ahead of inflation at 30%. More than 7,000 members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union walked off the job on Canada Day. If a deal can't be reached at the table, some say it's time for the government to step in if this drags out. The federal government will have no choice but to introduce a back-to-work legislation if this continues for a few more days. We reached out to the union. They said they had no update, but on Sunday, the union president had a clear message for the government. The federal government must stay out of our business. If the BCMEA gets their way, and their way is to let the government make this collective agreement for them, there will never be labor peace on the waterfront. This deal must be reached at the collective bargaining table with the ILW Canada Longshore Division and the BCMEA. So we have been told that Union President Rob Ashton is going to be arriving here to meet some of the members. You can hear a, a lot of people driving by right now and offering their support by honking their horns here for the members. But yeah, he's going to come here and greet some of them. We'll see if he's going to be able to talk with us. Back to you, Chris. Curious how he'll respond to that statement from the employer for sure. Okay, thanks very much, Grace. That's Grace Key reporting live. Now Keith Baldry's here with a closer look at the impacts, including the kinds of things that are getting hung up in our ports. Keith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a very informative book out a few years ago called 90% of Everything. A journalist spent a year on container ships and concluded 90% of everything we use in our life, our daily life, spends some time on a container ship. So I thought it'd be useful, go to the Port of Vancouver website and check exactly what type of goods are going out and coming in. Here's a list of the top items according to the Port of Vancouver. On terms of inbound, Household goods, yes, everything in your house comes on a, a container ship. That's 4.5 million tons there in 2022. Construction materials to build your house or anything else, 1.8 million tons. Auto and industrial parts, a big number as well, 1.6 million. And we sure bring in a lot of food on container ships. That's 700,000 tons. That's a lot of food. What goes out? Uh, wood pulp, 1.8 million. Specialty crops, 1.5 million. Lumber, 1.4. No surprise considering the role of the forest industry in BC. But we're also exporting a lot of food as well. 600,000 tons of food goes out on container ships in one year. So again, 90% of everything. So the appliances you cook on, the clothes on your back, uh, even your golf clubs, Chris, spend some time on a container ship. That's why this strike is so has such a huge impact and why you're going to continue to hear a lot of speculation about the federal government stepping in and ending it through legislation as it did just a few, few years ago, stopping a strike in the Port of Montreal. All right, Keith, thanks very much.
A popular Squamish cafe that's also become a meeting place and social hub for the community is going to be closing for good. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the owner of the Zephyr Cafe says following a dispute with his new landlords, the lease on the building will not be renewed. A sunny holiday Monday and the Zephyr Cafe is packed. The kitchen pumping out orders for a line of customers that at times stretches out the door. Despite the obvious signs of success, owner Adrian Blahut is making the rounds to customers, explaining this is the final summer the cafe will be open. Squamish has changed in the 10 years that I've been here. I mean, Zephyr has been my personal identity. We also have to understand that things do come and go and there are going to be more community hubs and this is an end of an era, but it's not the end of Squamish. The closure stems from a dispute with the landlord over renegotiating the lease, which won't be renewed in October. For people who have come to depend on the cafe as a space for everything from open mic nights to community events, this news has hit hard. Thousands of people have signed an online petition trying to keep the doors open. Uh, the community is speaking up because we need, we need spaces like that. I cried when I read the post. I wonder where everyone's going to go. It's not like the Zephyr Cafe isn't making money. It's still highly profitable. But it's things like landlord disputes that has the Canadian Federation of Independent Business worried. The organization says it's up to governments to make the job of owning a small business easier. There are other tools available at all governments' uh, disposal um, to look at keeping costs down for small businesses. Global News reached out to the landlord for comment, but have yet to receive a reply. The cafe will close sometime in September. In the meantime, Blahut is touched. So many people have offered their support. That's part of this business. You don't go into it to get rich. You go into it to be part of a community. And, and I can honestly say that I'm part of a community. Aaron McCarthy, Global News. There was a heavy police presence in Maple Ridge today after reports of shots fired. RCMP responded to an incident in the 14,000 block of Silver Valley Road. Police say several people have been arrested. Officers say no one is injured and the situation is under control. RCMP, though, will be on scene for the rest of the day and they are expected to release more information about what happened tomorrow. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is still probing a fatal shooting at a Coquitlam condo building on Sunday evening. Krista Dow has the latest, including what witnesses are telling Global News about the suspect. Behind this concrete column lies the grisly aftermath of a homicide at a Coquitlam condo building. The body removed by Monday afternoon. Police tape extending all along the back alley as investigators continue searching the courtyard into Sunday's fatal shooting. It was very loud, uh, very, very vivid sounds. That's for sure. You won't forget those noises. I knew it was trouble as soon as I heard it. Gunshots rang out just before 9.30 Sunday night near North Road and Foster Avenue, about a block from the Burnaby-Coquitlam border. When police responded, they found a man injured, and despite life-saving efforts, he died on scene. His identity has not been released. Neighbors here on edge and described hearing a succession of rapid gunfire originally believed to be fireworks and then a vehicle speeding away. First, we were like, is that, you know... Still fireworks going on from mm -hmm. yesterday, but right after that we heard a car sped up and then we heard the sirens. There was a much uh, 
louder cracking sound. So, uh, you know, I ended up counting about 10 gunshots and another fellow neighbor heard nine, but uh, nine or 10 gunshots. Yeah, pretty scary scene, that's for sure. One witness who didn't want to appear on camera tells us the victim lived in the building and it wasn't uncommon for police to frequent the area. It is sketchy, like you never know, wrong place, wrong time. Police have not provided a suspect description or details on the getaway vehicle, but other neighbors tell us they saw a man believed to be the suspect, describing him as being in his 30s, wearing all black and fleeing in a white SUV. I feel like it's obviously not good to hear within your proximity, but what can you do? As long as you stay out of trouble, you should be fine. Investigators aren't yet commenting on whether this is gang-related, but say the homicide is an isolated incident. Krista Dow, Global News. A man wanted for murder in Winnipeg has been arrested here in B.C. The killing of 21-year-old Tristan Asham happened back on November 5th in downtown Winnipeg. On June 22nd, officers from the Surrey and Langley RCMP and Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit arrested 20-year-old Shiv Austin Harper at a Langley home. He has now been flown to Winnipeg and is charged with second-degree murder and possession of a restricted weapon. Kelowna experiments with booze on the beach. And when the weather warms up, a lot of people jump in to cool off. But when you do it here in Lynn Canyon, it can turn deadly very quickly. What North Shore rescuers are doing there today to be ready when disaster strikes. That's next on the News Hour. A kick in the grass for users of this Oak Bay cricket field when turf thieves strike. The damage they caused later on the News Hour. And adventure at any age, the thrill-seeking great-grandmother, actually she might even be a great-great-grandmother, bringing the next generation along for the ride. Right now, though, on a hot day like today, the water can be very enticing, but it can come with risks. That's why firefighters with the District of North Vancouver are training to make sure they're ready when they're needed. Catherine Urquhart reports. Cliff jumping at North Vancouver's Lynn Canyon is popular on a hot day. Are you afraid of the risks at all? No, uh, I know where to jump. But cliff jumping can be deadly. People have lost their lives here. It's important to know what you're getting yourself into. This is a very uh, extremely turbulent river. I'll make sure everything's done right. Firefighters with District of North Vancouver are making sure they're ready when needed, practicing their swift water rescue training down a steep rock face to rescue someone in cold water requires speed and efficiency. Hands-on training is, is extremely important, especially in the fire service, because we need to, uh, repetition is important for us, um, get our hands on the training, um, so when the actual calls come in, we're ready to go. In BC, 13 people have drowned so far this year, according to the Life-Saving Society of BC. Please make sure to wear your life jacket to stay sober while boating and swimming, and to keep your children within arm's reach. Also being urged, education. Here at Lynn Canyon, there are plenty of signs warning about the dangers of cliff jumping, like this one here behind me, which shows how many people have been killed and how many have been injured. Of course, some people will continue to take chances. The thrill of leaping into the cool waters below, just too tempting. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. 
Three people, including a 14-year-old, were rescued Sunday near Lopez Island in Washington State after weather conditions pushed their boat into the rocky shore. U.S. Coast Guard aircrew responded to the south end of the island east of Vancouver Island at around 10 p.m. That's where they found the 38-foot vessel against the rocks. Rescuers pulled the stranded boaters to safety. No injuries were reported. Environment Canada warns gales from the northwest will continue into the week. Drinking on the beach. It's been a no-no in Kelowna for a long time, but the city is about to experiment with a new policy to allow drinking in some lakefront parks. As Jaden Wozni reports, the pilot project kicks off tomorrow, but first a warning, there are still rules you have to follow. Kelowna residents and visitors will be able to sip on their favorite boozy beverages at Waterfront Park, Kinsman Park and Boyce Gyro Park starting on Tuesday after getting the green light from City Council. Obviously the concern would be people that overindulge and RCMP will be monitoring the situation and uh, if anything gets out of hand we'll be taking appropriate steps to take care of any problems that might come forward from this. The pilot project will run from July 4th to October 6th from noon until 9 p.m. daily, but there are still some rules in place. No booze within 15 meters of residences, playgrounds, sports zones and parking lots, and glass bottles are also prohibited. This is the first time for us, so we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, potentially it could be more work, but if everybody's respectful and, and follows the rules, it should be okay. Many residents we spoke with say they're in favor of the change. I think they should allow it here. And I think sometimes when you loosen guidelines, then people don't take advantage of it as much. Man, about time. I mean, as long as people aren't getting rippered in public, then it's like, that's sick. As long as people are doing it responsibly, I don't have a problem with that. Meanwhile, others say they have some concerns about allowing alcohol at these three parks, saying more enforcement is needed. I think the key is that it's monitored. Um, there's, it's, of course, there's a big difference between someone having one or two beer and a group of people getting together for a, a party. Constable Mike Della Valera added that more enforcement will be out during the weekends at these three parks, keeping an eye on the situation. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Kelowna. Straight ahead, a bad decision in Tinder dry conditions. How a suspected gender reveal party sparked a grass fire in the interior. Plus. And then police officer came to the door and says, there's a fire, you need to evacuate. A close call for residents near Kelowna's Knox Mountain. How fire mitigation helped stop the spread long before the water bombers showed up. From the stories that affect us all, to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. A Canada Day wildfire northwest of Pemberton continues to burn out of control and steep terrain is a real challenge for fire crews. Firefighters with air support responded to the Cecil Mountain wildfire July 1st. Crews now say they plan to battle that 10 hectare blaze only from the air given the tough conditions. It's suspected the fire was caused by lightning. Smoke may be visible from Pemberton and the surrounding areas. The Hurley Forest Service Road is not impacted at this point. A gender reveal party is being blamed for a brush fire near Oliver yesterday. It happened mid-afternoon near Jolly Lake, not far from Mount Baldy Resort. 
More than a dozen people who were staying at the nearby campground jumped into action and used buckets and water from the lake to extinguish the flames. The campers reported seeing a large group of people in that area just before the fire broke out, and they also found evidence of tannerite, an explosive substance that, when shot with a rifle, creates a cloud of smoke. In this case, it was pink smoke. Tannerite is banned in most parts of B.C., but it is sold and marketed online for gender reveal parties. They were doing some kind of a, someone was doing some kind of a gender reveal, I guess, um, and shot this tan right off, and I guess there must have been just a little bit of a spark or something like that that uh, caused the fire to ignite, I guess. There was some ink residue on the actual log itself. They, yeah, just, there was some residue on there anyways from leftover from when they did this, and yeah, it just ignited a little bit. Uh, underneath the log and that way it went, you know, it's pretty quiet there. <clears throat> Probably not as far as you can be The BC Wildfire Service confirmed the fire and that an official attended the scene. It is now investigating. Knox Mountain Park in Kelowna remains closed two days after a terrifying fire broke out, forcing hundreds of people to flee their homes. Right now we still got a few hot spots, so that's why we still have the park closed. The fire broke out just before 2 p.m. Canada Day and quickly grew to six and a half hectares with strong winds fanning the flames. Residents of several neighborhoods around the park were ordered to evacuate. The order was fortunately rescinded just hours later. Officials are now working to get the park reopened as they try to determine whether the human-caused fire was accidentally or deliberately set. Well, yesterday we had an, a level one assessor come in from BC Wildfire. Today we had a level three or late yesterday afternoon and then they finished up today. They took all their photos, did their investigation. So we'll hopefully hear from their findings in the next, in the coming days. It's not known when the park will reopen. It will be turned over to the city tomorrow and will be up to city officials to determine next steps. Now, fire officials say the Knox Mountain wildfire could have been a lot worse. Global's Taya Fast explains how previous fire mitigation work and the fast response of crews this weekend likely prevented the flames from spreading. It's not how some Kelowna residents planned on spending their Canada Day afternoon. I was up having lunch on the deck and... Uh, the police came down here with a siren. I thought somebody was hurt. But then I saw two more police cars come down here, and then the fire truck, and then the police officer came to the door and says, there's a fire, you need to evacuate. Just under 500 properties were put on evacuation order after a fast-moving blaze sparked on Knox Mountain. However, the fire was quickly brought under control, and the evacuation order was downgraded shortly after. But we're lucky enough that they put it out, and we're back home the same night. According to fire officials, previous fire mitigation work plays a huge part in determining the success of major fires like this one. I can't stress how important fire mitigation programs are. Um, again, I was standing in City Park, uh, in the parking lot. I could vis visibly see flames working their way up that south face. And um, knowing the mitigation that had been done previously in that area, I knew we had a really good chance of getting out in front of it. Historically, Knox Mountain had a number of downed trees and lower limbs that could have fueled the fire. Going in, removing the ground and ladder fuels, and when we refer to ladder fuels, that's the lower limbs that allow the fire to come up the trunk of the tree and then extend into the crowns. That causes a lot of that branding and, and things where we see fire advancing very quickly. Without fire prevention work and the quick response of fire crews, the outcome of this fire could have been a lot different. Looking at that fire, as far as a high-profile uh, fire, I mean, I don't think it gets any worse than Knox Mountain, Canada Day, 35 kilometer hour winds. 
if that fire mitigation hadn't been done, I'm, I'm pretty sure things would have been a lot worse. In the meantime, residents are being asked to stay vigilant amid these hot and dry conditions. I would never discourage anyone from being out and enjoying the Okanagan, but we really have to have some situational awareness of what our conditions are. So referring to the media, referring to BC Wildfire, um, looking into what the hazard ratings are is really important when we're getting into the backcountry and out into our parks. TFS Global News, Kelowna. Coming up, food for thought during high inflation. Believe me, bacteria doesn't care how fresh or how bad the food is. The movement to do away with best before dates in Canada. Plus. He was grandpa's boy. He still the, is. The fateful connection and unbreakable bond shared by these two. From protecting small business gems to outing big business bullies. If it matters to consumers, it matters to investigative reporter Andrua. Consumer Matters with Andrua on Global News. Vandals have caused thousands of dollars of damage to an Oak Bay sports field. Oak Bay police say it happened June 24th. Someone cut and removed several sections of artificial turf from the park's cricket pitch. The bill to repair the damage is estimated at about $4,000. The pitch is home to the Victoria and District Cricket Association, which says no matches will be played until the damage is repaired. Police say at this point they have no suspects. 25 students from California will be spending the next two weeks at BCIT. The annual Forensic Science and Technology Field School is returning to the campus after a four-year pandemic pause. The students will receive hands-on training from industry experts. The key feature, a mock crime scene, is not for the squeamish. Blood and a limb, evidence of a crime for students to solve during their stay here. It's a partnership between BCIT and California State University, Long Beach. Right now we see the crime become international, transnational. We see more drugs, okay, firearms, human beings coming to the United States. So we need to understand beyond U.S. border to see what's lost in other countries. What is the technical method? What is the rules? Okay, all these things we need to learn beyond our border. Students will get lessons in in criminal justice system, including law, fingerprinting, and cybersecurity. Project first launched back in 2016. Are you one to check the best before dates before you consume certain foods? The federal government is considering removing those labels, hoping to reduce needless food waste in Canadian households. But as Brittany Rosen reports, many consumers are not ready for it. Even the best before date on that. Thomas Hansen is no stranger to food poisoning, which is why he always checks the label. I love the best before dates. You know why? Why? Because if you buy something like this and you eat it after the best before date, you are risking getting all kinds of germs. Nothing like a dose of salmonella to convince you that spending time in the hospital is a bad thing. To Hansen's dismay, Canada's Agriculture Committee recommends the government remove best before dates from the shelves. With sky-high foodflation hitting consumers harder than ever, the committee says scrapping the label would help to reduce food waste. They push people to throw away perfectly good food. We all know that. The science is there. But some shoppers we spoke to had little appetite for Parliament's proposal. Neither mind. I feel like I'd want to check the label still. On the other hand, Dan Quinn says the move could help shoppers. I'm personally fine with that. The best before dates 
can be also um, confusing for some people. SB4 dates are not the same as expiry dates, and experts say the two are widely misunderstood. So next time you're at the grocery store, you may want to check the fine print. Best before dates are on most frozen foods, canned items, and dried grains. You do not want to consume a product after an expiry date has passed. Uh, that's non-negotiable. But best before dates doesn't necessarily mean bad after. Charlebois says the best before label refers to a product's peak freshness and can still be consumed after the date passes. That's what they say. Believe me, bacteria doesn't care how fresh or how bad the food is. Bacteria loves food. Charlebois says according to a survey his team conducted last year, only 27% of Canadians were in support of removing best before dates. Brittany Rosen, Global News. Well, for some families, overcoming adversity and loss brings people closer together. That's certainly the case for a Calgary family that forged an unbreakable bond. Global's Jill Croto shows us grandfather and grandson with an uncommon connection that fate helped create. He may not have been there when she was born, but he's loved her as though he was. This stepfather came into Ashley Warren's life at an impressionable age, but they bonded almost instantly. He met a single mom who had two teenage daughters, and he could have been like, nope, nope, not doing that, and he stuck around. Don and Ashley have been close nearly her whole life, but it wasn't until she gave birth to his first grandson that only intensified their connection. He was grandpa's boy. He still is. The two of them have an attachment that's hard to explain. It was already made in the stars before. Like, it was, it was meant to be. They're inseparable. Xander was born with a condition that required him to wear a prosthetic. Sometimes I wish I didn't really have it, but lots of times I wish I did have it. Part of the reason he embraces it is because of what happened when he was almost three years old. My mom had called me and she said that Don had been in an accident at work. When I stepped down, you couldn't really see and there was a piece of broken pallet wedged and I stepped on it and I rolled off that and my face and head were heading for the dock plate system. So I kind of did the $6 million man move, but yeah, everything snapped in my ankle. Don's leg was so damaged, despite multiple surgeries to save it, he needed to amputate. In order for me to have a stable life, that's what I had to do. And now mirror images of each other, grandpa and grandson are closer than ever, navigating life side by side. When he saw grandpa's leg for the first time, he understood that grandpa is the same as me. If he didn't have that, I would kind of feel alone in the family. But since he does have it, I don't feel alone. Jill Croteau, Global News. Coming up, the skydiving senior. What doesn't break you makes you stronger. Celebrating 99 years on this earth with a death-defying leap later. And coming up in sports, a big test for the unbeaten BC Lions who strike first in Toronto. When the story's breaking right now, to all the day's issues. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Pretty solid summer 
out there. So far. <laughs> so warm. far. <laughs> and getting warmer, Yvonne. Yeah, even hotter in the coming days. Thanks so much and good evening, everyone. Hope you've been enjoying the long weekend. Yes, temperatures continue to be on the rise. It's been fantastic over the long weekend. A great shot of what it looks like out there this evening. We do have a bit of cloud cover. We are going to see some hazy conditions for tomorrow. We're currently sitting at 21, and some of the winds have picked up out of the airport. We've seen them even up to 30 and up to 40 kilometers per hour. A few of the spots across the province topping out at around 32 degrees today. That's for Linton. That's the hot spot. Revelstoke, 28 in areas near Fort Nelson, getting up to 24 degrees. So Linton, the hot spot across the province today at 32.1. Now for Metro Vancouver, the plan for tomorrow, we will see a range between 26 up to 28. Factor in the humid X, though, it's going to feel closer to 33. A reminder, those with respiratory issues, we still have a smoky skies bulletin. We are going to see that impacting the following areas over the next 24 and 48 hours. So if you do have respiratory issues, we want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. Big weather story that we've been following is this ridge of high pressure. It continues to build and strengthen. We'll likely see the peak of the heat and some of the hottest temperatures along the south coast. This is on Thursday and continuing for the southern interior by Friday. And then it'll be a touch cooler by a few degrees as we get in towards the weekend, but still hot and very dry right across the board. Away from the water, this is what we're seeing. So into the low 30s for Thursday, the interior will continue in towards our Friday. Fire danger ratings sitting at high across the island extreme. So please be very diligent and careful as you enjoy the outdoors. Inland for Terrace, 29 degrees. One area in blip on the forecast, southeastern corners are seeing that risk of a thunderstorm. Most areas inland across the island will bump up to 32. Away from the water, that's where we're seeing those temperatures soaring, humid X up to 33. Hottest day so far looks to be on our Thursday, away from the water up to 31. All right, guys, tonight's weather window, we've had lots of photos. These were taken on Canada Day. These are lenticular clouds. We're going to post more on our social media, but this is a great shot in Soyuz at sunset on Canada Day. Guys? Reflecting that beautiful sunset, hey? Thanks, Squire. Do you have a candidate, an early candidate for plays of the year? Well, this will be in it. This will be in it, and it's in it because nobody got hurt. That's oh. the key. When you see big crashes on plays of the year, that's the thing you should always know. They walk away. And uh, we'll show you what happens right now when you put the plane in hydroplane. Oh, Kelly in front by a boat link. The oh, he's blowing over. Dustin Eccles is blown over, and oh, my. Still That's going, one way to put it. He won't over. Well, the driver's off. okay, and as you can see, he actually stuck the landing. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Just drove off. <laughs> wow. Also tonight. Welcome Bye. back, Lucy. The 99-year-old skydiving great granny and how adventure runs in the family. stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us when bc needs to connect bc turns to the source that brings us together global news from all the teams that come to play when bc needs to connect bc turns to the source that brings us together Global News. Lions QB Vernon Adams Jr. has been playing on another level until tonight. 
Yes, he's on a much lower level tonight. <laughs> you know how some athletes talk about personal best? This is a personal worst. It doesn't matter how strong the BC Lions defense is. If the offense gives the ball away like it's Christmas morning, eventually that defense will break. And tonight in Toronto, Vernon Adams Jr. has had trouble differentiating which players are wearing which uniforms. I mean, he's been good so far this season. Lions 3-0, Chad Kelly in the Argos 2-0. Kelly gets a face-to-face -face with Matthew Betts as the Lions defense pulls another quarterback to the ground. So things started well for BC. Yeah, Keon Hatcher's back. First game of the year. Gets a catch here on a touchdown drive, which will end with Dominique Rimes getting the TD pass from Vernon Adams Jr. So everything looks good. This looks like what we've seen in the first three games. Very normal for the BC Lions, and they're up 7-0. More good things for BC. Back to the defense. Bola Combo. Again, a sack for the Lions. But everything changes right here. Now, this has nothing to do with the Lions' offense. This is special teams messing up. Javon Leak goes 91 yards for the touchdown. 7-7 in the first quarter, and momentum suddenly shifted to the Argos. And it was helped also by Vernon Adams. And that's just a bad pass. And that would eventually end up being a touchdown for Toronto using the backup quarterback Cameron Dukes as he would go in from uh, a yard away. And it's 14-7. Okay. You can deal with that because Dominic Rimes will score another touchdown. He's open. 14-14. Ah, things are better again, aren't they? But Vernon Adams... Now, this was a bit of bad luck, although, yeah, that's just not a good place to put the ball. Another interception. Jonathan Jones. And this would lead to Chad Kelly to Devaris Daniels. And you know who Chad Kelly's uncle is? I'll show you who his uncle is. NFL legend Jim Kelly came up to watch the game. Vernon Adams again throws an interception. Robertson Daniels. This was four of five interceptions that Adams has thrown. This one almost was taken back for a touchdown. It would eventually be put in the end zone by uh, A.J. Ouellette. That would make it 35-17. But this is the CFL. You can score quickly. You can get back in the game. And the Lions kind of got back in it here with this touchdown from Keon Hatcher. But after this, Adams threw another interception. So the Lions are down by 11 in the fourth quarter. Wimbledon started today, and Layla Annie Fernandez won her first ever match at Wimbledon. I mean, she's been there before, but she won a match now over Katerina Bindel in three sets. But her next will be against number five, Carolyn Garcia. So that'll be tough. Felix Ojealiasin, the 11th seed, upset by a guy with a very odd serve, Michael Moe, who actually got into this event because someone got hurt so he was what they call a lucky loser but he wasn't a loser today he knocked out Felix in four sets Dennis Shapovalov lost the first set of his match but it was suspended and they'll finish it up tomorrow uh, Canada needs to beat Cuba tomorrow at the CONCACAF Gold Cup to have any chance of advancing to the knockout phase but they won't be 
playing keeper Milan Borian because he is out the rest of the tournament with an undisclosed injury. Uh, he picked up something in that Second Nations League game and uh, you know he's, he's a bit of a warrior, he didn't want to leave the camp, there was a lot of the senior players went and left through injury but he didn't want to leave the boys behind. Um, you know, he's, he stayed in as long as he possibly could. I'll always thank Milan for sticking in because we needed his senior presence around these young lads. Canadian Elite Basketball League, Vancouver Bandits, Edmonton Stingers. Look at this shot. Oh, I think that one came from Sherwood Park. Jeffrey James with this one as the Stingers won at 92-78. The Bandits record is now 5 and seven and one more time the hydroplane that flipped out and i do mean flipped out dustin eccles is the driver he just caught air and we're going to give you the onboard camera to get a sense of what he kind of saw this is from of course the back of the hydroplane but you can see the air gets underneath it and now it's like taking off from yvr except you don't usually do this lands perfectly they would eventually stop the boat, and he would be okay. There you go. <laughs> that is wild. Thanks very much, Squire. Up next, when a visit with great-grandma requires a parachute. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Share your story. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub. Bringing your worlds together. Jordan Armstrong is in now with a preview of what's coming up tonight on Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris, we're watching the impasse in the port strike. At 11, you'll hear how the dispute is already impacting a local furniture retailer. Also, we're on the scene of a crash involving a police cruiser and a stolen vehicle on Clark Drive. Not far from the Port of Vancouver, actually, two officers and a suspect have been taken to hospital with minor injuries. We'll have details on that and any breaking news tonight on Global News at 11. Chris? We know you will. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, as the saying goes, age is just a number. But at 99 years old, Lucy Koenig is taking that adage to new heights. Koenig went skydiving today to celebrate the Canada Day weekend. And as Travis Prasad reports, her adventurous streak runs in the family. Well, I don't think I'll be able to slip out over that. <laughs> Lucy Koenig has seen it all in her life. The lows, the highs, and now the sky highs. We'll just get you to slide yourself back. The Coquitlam senior is about to go skydiving just a few weeks shy of her 99th birthday. I'd like to experience things. When I was young, when, you know, like a teenager, I was mountain climbing in the Austrian Alps. The lifelong adventurer has been skydiving once before, back when she was 93. She's also gone ziplining, even elephant riding. Her life motto is simple. Do what makes you happy. On this dive, her 21-year-old great-grandson Nicholas is joining her. I think I'm more nervous, yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, my great-grandma's nervous at all, actually. <laughs> she has no fear, no fear. Strapped in and ready, the plane takes off. At 12,000 feet, the doors open and Lucy's out, falling high above Abbotsford. They're so high in the sky, Lucy's family and friends below can barely see them. Right there. She likes doing things like that. It's like I keep telling people I stood in the wrong line when they handed out the genetic braveness or something, because it's not my thing. She's an adventurer, so that's, that's, it's the best thing about her. 
About 15 minutes after taking off, Lucy makes a safe landing. At no point was she nervous or scared. Why should I be? I wouldn't go if I was scared. It's a beautiful view. It's, it's worth it for the view to go up there. She says enjoying life is what it's all about, no matter your age. So for her 100th birthday next year, could we find Lucy in the sky again? I don't know. I think about it. <laughs> Travis Prasad, Global News. Maybe we'll see you back here. I don't know. I wouldn't count her out. No. We'll be there if she does it again. You bet. <laughs> all right. Uh, definitely things are heating up, uh, Yvonne. Yeah, it's going to be even hotter in the coming days, uh, especially for areas that are away from the water. With the Humidex, it'll be into the low 30s. Also, to keep that in mind for the for the interior, it'll be similar. We've got the fire danger rating across the island sitting at extreme. Now, the hottest day and likely the peak of the heat will be on Thursday, 31 degrees, and then still hot, sunny, and dry Friday. And as we take ourselves towards the end of the week and leading in towards the weekend as well. So sun balls right across the board and mm -hmm. overnight lows anywhere between 14 and 16 degrees. I think skydiving is a good way to beat the heat. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's cool when you're racing down to the yeah. surface you get of the earth. Good, good wind, right? <laughs> yeah, Squire? No, sure actually, do. it's not. Squire <laughs> is afraid of heights. It's, I know. It's yeah. not Squire. his option. I will only jump out of a plane if you tell me the plane is crashing. Then okay. give me the parachute. Okay. okay. Or if the plane's already on the tarmac. Yeah, I'll jump out then. Okay. <laughs> Still, I'm not holding my breath for that either. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, all.